Hey students, you're listening to Answers to Gospel Questions. It's good to be with you. It's me, Brother Lawson and Brother Wing. How are you, Brother Wing? I'm feeling quite mathematical right now. Well, you're feeling mathematical. That means you don't have the Holy Ghost with you then, because the Holy <laughs> Ghost can't be present while doing math. I learned oh. that in school. Math leads to truth, and the spirit of truth would lead us to the Holy Ghost. So yeah, we're... Math was invented by the Illuminati, I think, <laughs> as a way to torture young seventh grade children. I I personally love math. Okay, so here's some simple math for you. Okay, I'm ready. In the gospel um, or the LDS citation index, okay. or if you go to scriptures.byu.edu, it's the same thing. I love that you website. Can, yep. You can find where um, passages of scripture are quoted in general conference. And yep. it's pretty cool. Like, for example, mm-hmm. the New Testament has been quoted in general conference 42,825 times. Yay. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now you could say it's going to have the numbers there per book. And so what book do you think in the New Testament is quoted most frequently per chapter? You know, so I'll give you the answer. The number one in total and per chapter is the book of Matthew. I was going to say, I was going to say that. Oh, okay. I knew you already knew that answer, but. So 9,905 times total, 28 chapters in Matthew, so 354 per chapter. Okay. That's that's number one ranking. John is number two. I was also going to say John is number two. (laughs) You're a genius. Um, So 327 per chapter. Okay. Now, number three might surprise you. Um, Is number three... Acts? No, Acts. Acts isn't even in the top ten. No, oh, mate. I know. I know. I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> I, I, I really was going to say Matthew and John, though. First, <laughs> okay. I believe you. I believe you. Um, I'll just say this number. I'm not going to tell you what number three is right now. I'll say number four is James, followed okay. closely. I mean, a close number five is First Peter. So he, you know, people quote First Peter a lot. Might take over. Sure. Okay. Six is Luke. Seven is Hebrews. Eight is the book of Revelation. Wow. But number three is the book of Ephesians. It's the third most quoted book of scripture in general conference from the New Testament. Most frequently quoted per chapter. Per chapter. So, so total references on the book of Ephesians, it, it ranks further down. But right. when you factor in the fact that it only has six chapters. Oh, I see. chapter. I- it's got 244 references quoted in general conference per those six chapters. That ranks at number three on average. So this is pretty well quoted six chapters. You're such a nerd. I can't believe you figured that out. <laughs> yeah. So so today we're going to be talking about Ephesians, the third most quoted book per chapter in the in the New Testament. Um chapter three. Really, chapter three, four, and five kind of go together. But one of the things that I think that one of the questions that that these books answer is, well, maybe I should say it like this. There, I think it was. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Elder Holland. Um, do you remember the story that was told about the mountain climber who he was he was rescued 
by somebody. He fell or something happened. He was rescued by another mountain climber and guy saved his life. And he's like, well, what do I, what do you do to thank someone who saved your life in a situation like that? Do you like, do you buy him a new, a, a new rope or something like that to think sometimes. And I think the point of that story is you just, you remember that person always. That's like the very best thing you can do is always remember that person. So Paul here, he's reminding us of all the things that Christ has done for us. So how do we thank him? Like really, like, how do we thank Christ? We just, we just at night, would we pray and we tell Heavenly father, Hey, thank you for sending. Is there anything else that we can do to thank him? And I think that's kind of what Paul approaches these at. So teach us here, Brother Wing, about what Paul tells us about how to thank the Savior. A good overview of the book of Ephesians is to see chapter one as what God provides and chapter two as what Christ does Mm -hmm. um, for us. Then chapter three is, well, since all that's true, let's praise God. And we stand all amazed at what he has done for us. And so it's a... Students, this would be a great experience if you have a minute later today um, or or soon to take these two columns of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, only 21 verses, um, if you're on your your phone looking at this. Very short chapter, but let this inspire or awaken um, or reawaken some gratitude that you have for, for the Savior to have an experience to... Uh, 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 express to the Savior how you feel about what he has done for you. And Ephesians 3, I think, will do that. And so it's a way to praise him and and acknowledge his glory, his goodness, his mercy, um, his saving power, his love to, to rescue and redeem. And so that's where I think this comes in, that we can uh, sometimes get lost in this world and, and get and get distracted away from a focus on Christ. Let Ephesians chapter three kind of renew that focus, but also deepen it with feelings of, of gratitude. So where do you see that in Ephesians chapter three? Where do you, how is that going to happen in Ephesians three? That's a fair question to ask, but I just don't like to answer that because I don't want to take away from the students. Oh fresh experience to read this on their own. So they're going to hit pause right now. Then they're going to go. And then read, they're going to go read. And then I'll answer your question. So, okay. Now they've hit pause. They've had a good step. <laughs> <laughs> and now I, I hope see. you really did hit pause by the way. <laughs> yeah. But um, right, right at the beginning, he says for this cause, I Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you. Like he, he kind of uses this kind of way of, taking probably negative experiences of his own life as, as an actual prisoner, but then says, look, I'm in, I'm in service and, and, and am bound by Jesus Christ and my devotion to him. Um, he says, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which I have given to you word, how that by revelation, he made us known unto me, the mystery, like God can speak to us, um, in, in a mystery or by revelation, like we can come to know him uh, directly. He has that um, desire and willingness to communicate to us individually, something that we can be very grateful for. We can remember experiences that we've had when he did speak to us. We can seek more of those experiences to um, let God talk to us and guide us uh, personally. Um, 
it keeps going like like I'll skip ahead verse eight unto me who am less than the least of all saints like Paul's identifying himself as the least he probably re- recognizes and remembers some of the really awful things that he did before um, as well but is this grace given like even Christ comes to what we might refer to as the least or we might think of ourselves as the least Christ is still going to come to us and give us grace that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Like not only is Christ going to come to us in that grace, he will use each one of us to extend his message to other people. Something that, I mean, like he doesn't need us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's going to still let us be involved in his work as imperfect as we are and how crazily we can mess things up. Right. And yet he still lets us be involved in this to extend this message. And by extending it, uh, he's going to speak to us even more, you know, and teach us even more things um, throughout that process. And I think the verses that follow verse eight, then bear that out that we we're going to learn more things and we're going to get, and we're going to grow in our confidence as well as we engage in this. And so Paul says, like in verse 14, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we start to really acknowledge and recognize and remember him, we're going to be drawn to worship him and, and be humble in bowing before him. And the rest of the verse, the rest of the chapter then seem to solidify um, those points about honoring what the Lord has done for us and the deep love that he has for us. And it, and it flows over, I think, in the Ephesians 4, when, right in the very first verse, when Paul talks about walking worthy of the vocation is the word they use. We use the word vocation like it's a, a job. He says, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called or the calling which you're called. I don't think that just means like your church calling, like nursery leader, state presidency member, whatever it is. I think it's talking about the, the calling that we have as, as Israel this is a pretty big deal. We we happen to be members of the Lord's true church on earth. We every single one of us has a responsibility to the world, not just to our ward, but but to the to the world to to represent the savior. And so I love that encouragement to to walk worthy of the calling with which you're called. It's not a small thing that you just happen to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ here on earth. There's only, what is there? Only 17, 18 million of us on earth. But as the Savior taught, a little leaven leaven leavens the whole loaf, raises the whole loaf. And that's what we've been called to do. So let's uh, let's strive to to act that way. Like we need to be some some leaven. We need to raise raise the the world and and lift the world. And we can do it. Uh, even though we're a pretty small force. Anything else, Browing? Yeah, one of the ways that we will uh, do that and praise God in the process is by us taking personal actions to draw closer to Him. So we're not just going to, well, one of those actions could be acknowledging Him and praising Him in our prayers, uh, but we're also going to praise Him by our by our actions. So let's make those those little actions to improve um, because of Him and and by His power. One of those things is like what chapter four, verse 11 says that he gave some apostles and prophets and, and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Like he's going to, he gives us these leaders so that we're not 
tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So you mentioned that we kind of have this responsibility then to bless the world. Well, one of the ways that we're going to bless the world is by not being duped by the world or deceived by false doctrines. Well, how are we not going to get deceived by false doctrines? We're going to know the true doctrine. We're going to study the scriptures. We're going to study the words of, of modern prophets, and thereby we won't be uh, caught in cunning craftiness. You know, and therefore, and then we can be a stabilizing force for those around us who don't get caught up in those things. And then you're like, well, how do I do that? You know, and the rest of the chapter four is really cool to kind of give a lot of suggestions about how to have the Holy Ghost with us so that we can know truth. Awesome. Students have a great time studying these chapters. Come to our institute classes, enjoy uh, rereading and listening to those conference talks. Until next time. Everybody, we love your guts. Stay righteous.